Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. It is officially over. The baseball season for 2023 has been put to bed. The Texas Rangers, the World Series champions. A bit of a surprise without a doubt, man, especially if you go back to the starting of the season. And even though they had loaded back up on pitching after really spending a brakes truck worth on their middle infield, they kind of doubled back down, man, and uh, it really worked out. We'll we'll get into that. We'll talk the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. Uh, we are going to talk some Corey Seager. Second time the man has been the World Series MVP. Pretty darn impressive. Silver Slugger Awards were announced, so we'll go over those. The Blue Jays, they need to do some housekeeping here before free agency hits on Monday. So they need to decide on some qualifying offers. There were some options that were decided on Whit Merrifield being one of them. And then of course, there's a little bit of a coaching shuffle happening currently amongst the Blue Jays coaching staff. So we'll talk that Uh, the San Diego Padres, man, I read Ken Rosenthal's article. He wrote on them in the Mm -hmm. athletic. Mm -hmm. If there is an example of investing big in guys over long term if there is an example as to like maybe this isn't why maybe this isn't the system to take it's possible the padres are that (laughs) example like and it's funny because i don't wish to completely say the padres were a failure in what they have done but after 2023 and the mess within this front office, it is definitely, uh, they've got an upward hill to climb and definitely are going to need to temper fans' expectations as they probably need to move a mega contractor to uh, Juan Soto almost certainly gone as mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to give out another $300 million contract. So where does he go? Where could he fit? We'll get into that. And then... I think it's safe to say Major League Baseball's true hired gun is finally calling it quits and Nelson Cruz Mm -hmm. are announcing retirement. Can you think of anyone, Adam, who has just gone contract to contract year to year for pretty good money, 12 to $16 million for as long as Nelson Cruz? No, I guess I can't. Because he's a bit of an anomaly in that he was a star. But when you think of Nelson Cruz, do you think of a major league team? I don't. I think of a wider range of teams. <laughs> I think more of his personal numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, no, he's definitely not a guy you associate with like, oh yeah, Nelson Cruz, the... Seattle Mariners superstar. Yeah. Or the Texas Rangers. Yeah, no, he's... He bounced around Uh, a lot. For a guy at his caliber. 
his skill set. Yeah, hired gun is a great way to put it. I love that. I walk off podcast on Twitter slash X. You can follow us on Instagram, the walk off podcast. By the way, if you're watching this and you follow us and you haven't hit the subscribe button, could you do us a favor? Just go ahead and hit that subscribe button <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube there. A like is always appreciated too. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. This is the walk off the Friday show. Hey, let's we're, get into it. Ooh, Scott, you didn't catch. We're actually rebranding it. Uh, the new title for this show is This Changes Everything with Scott and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding for now. Yes, until we bring out that Shohei and the Blue Jays <laughs> thumbnail and then that we've already got the title <laughs> for it lined right up. Nothing yeah. will be the same in Blue Jays land. <laughs> Truth revealed. Okay. <laughs> Truth <laughs> revealed. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you know what, man? Listen, I am not a Texas Rangers fan. I think anyone watching the program who's seen it for a while knows that I was quite vocally rooting against the Rangers. I did not particularly like the way the team was built. But what the hell do I know? If 2023 shows anything, it's that it's a good thing I'm not running a Major League Baseball team because I just didn't think the Texas Rangers had the bullpen and the starting depth to win a world series and you know what they found a way man uh lined up against the diamondbacks diamondbacks had a very similar achilles heel and that i mean we watched them do a literal bullpen game in game four and i know that everyone was making a big deal out of this is the new strategy it's like new strategy they had no one else to go to (laughs) (laughs) so In a time in baseball when owners are constantly trying to find a way to not spend money, right? To give give a good reason, a palatable reason to their fan base as to why they're going down a less expensive route. The Texas Rangers, man, I really feel like this was a big win for baseball in general, right? This is two off-seasons removed from spending half a billion dollars on the middle infield, two years removed from losing 100 games, one offseason removed after doubling back down, spending big on Jacob DeGrom, a huge risk, a trade deadline where they then could have stayed pat, man. The Texas Rangers could have done nothing at this deadline. They could have explained it to the fan base that this is a process. We're in year two. We don't wish to give up assets in a building phase of this organization. And they didn't, man. They had problems at starting pitching, and they went out. They got Max Scherzer. They got Jordan Montgomery at the deadline, uh, a very under-the-radar acquisition who wound up being an absolute stud for them, both as a starting pitcher and being used by Bruce Bruce Bochy out of the bullpen. Because... Texas didn't have a very deep pitching staff and they had to get creative and old man Bochi buddy managed his freaking butt off. Mm-hmm. This is kind of cool too. So after all of this happened, uh, the D-backs managing partner, Ken Kendrick. So he told Burns and Gambo, this is just uh, a quote here. 
that the World Series run created an unplanned economic windfall. Shocking. You go to the World <laughs> Series, you make a little money, Adam. Uh, and it puts the organization in a position to not insubstantially invest in this team. Isn't that nice to hear from a smaller market organization, dude? Because the Baltimore Orioles owner couldn't wait once they had a good season to come out and be like, don't get used to it. We're not signing these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think he said, uh, you think the Padres are selling this (laughs) offseason? What a crazy guy in Baltimore. Right? Just, yeah, truly, (laughs) truly. But you know what, man? For the Texas Rangers to have spent like they did and then win, I think that really goes a long way for convincing some of these medium to high spending franchises, organizations with money to maybe open the purse strings. Because, dude, it's there's listen, it's so easy for these mid-range teams to point at the Padres, to point at the Yankees, to point at the Mets and be like, we won as many games as them. Why would we spend another $100 million? And the answer is for your World Series MVP, I guess. Does this mean it? I mean, this is two years in a row now where we've seen a Cinderella team go on a unexpected run in the playoffs, and it's been the, all you got to do is make it and anything can happen, but you can't quite finish the deal is that an argument to be made here that like now the big dog still come out on top or was it a crapshoot i still think it's a crapshoot but yes obviously the team with the most depth is going to be the team most likely in the seven game series to come out the other end i mean we watched the diamondbacks and the Phillies go head to head. I mean, th- this is what did you feel about this World Series? Because I was actually having a pretty good chat with a buddy of mine um, about this World Series not being even close to the best series of this playoffs. Like, man, did I ever enjoy the ALCS and the NLCS more than the World Series? And I had such huge hopes for it. Yeah, I had high, high hopes for the World Series too, especially after Game One. Mm-hmm. Um. And then game two, even when the Diamondbacks yeah. won in such resounding fashion, I was like, oh, this is going to be anybody's uh, game. I mean, and then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. Um, <clears throat> and then, I mean, kudos to the Rangers for winning two after losing Adolis, too. Man. Because um, that could have been an absolute backbreaker for a lot of teams. Um, to come out with such force in game four after losing a Dolis too, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the thing. All of a sudden everyone in baseball is questioning their offensive prowess without that big middle of the order bat. Who's literally carried that team through a couple of series. Like a Dolis had a playoffs for the ages, mm-hmm. man. Like he was right there. I think with Seager for world series MVP. And I think the reason yeah. Seager was, you know, the guy is that after Adolis went down, Seager put that team on his back. He said, don't yeah. worry about it, guys. We've got the offensive mm-hmm. power. We're going to get through this. I've done it. I've been here. We've been up 2-1. I know this situation. Like, there is something to be said for experience. I know that sometimes this gets under the craw of some of the younger 
fan base that is just like that's the numbers you got to go by the numbers but there is something to be said for being there done that so Corey Seager a very deserving World Series MVP yeah I mean <clears throat> do I think it'll increase spending from the med- medium market teams I, I don't I don't think so I think if you had a proclivity to spend before you're going to continue and if you didn't I don't think this change like I don't think this changes much in the equation or is something to point to of like, oh, yeah, see, we should go all in at the trade deadline. Yeah. I think it's just. I think some teams Although, are going to and some teams aren't. And I don't think this is proof that anyone's going to be able to take to their ownership group as, hey, see, we need to do it. And here's why. I don't know. I think it's just doesn't shift years. the dial for me. 10 years, $325 million is what Corey Seager wound up receiving in free agency from the Texas Rangers during that 2022 offseason. He has eight years left on his contract. If Corey Seager is just a league average player for the last eight years, yep. Is he already worth it? Flags mm-hmm. fly forever. If you get one World Series in 10 years and a $300 million contract, is that yep. return on investment? Same goes for Marcus Simeon. Agreed. I feel uh, the same way, man. It's like, even if this Rangers team in this middle of the infield winds up aging terribly and they are just cursing out the last five years of Corey Seager's contract and the last four of Simeon's, worth it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Especially for a franchise dude, first World Series, right? Yeah, good for them. I was surprised by that. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Um, I don't know if this is a, a poor reflection on me or not, but what was the name of that pitcher they they spent big on in the offseason and then got like one game out of? <laughs> uh, Jacob. 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 Jacob uh, something to something. The injured. Uh, yeah. The elbow. It's, dude, like, so wild that legitimately DeGrom comes back healthy and this team is just a better team without even doing anything. Like, Jacob DeGrom, if you can just keep him, I mean, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, that's... uh it's crazy that they won in spite of him, not yeah. with him. Like that was their big move this off season. Right? It really was like, I don't know. It's just crazy to me that uh, you can go out, spend like that, lose it immediately. And then be like, well, oh, we're still good. Yeah. Still, still worked out. And then to double down at the trade deadline and going out and get Max Scherzer, man, it's just who also, it's, by the way, didn't like, yeah, or to say, didn't really wasn't a factor in them winning the World Series, in my estimations. Like, gave them some length. <laughs> like, yeah, he I don't pitched know. Four like, innings one time. That was yeah, good. Like, um, I mean, it's I like wild. The, I like the move of getting. Oh, me too. Yeah. Whether he, I mean, the playoffs, uh, the impact in the dugout, the presence, 
you know, all the stuff that, again, the youngsters around baseball will be like, yeah, but he pitched to an 11 ERA. Like, yeah. I don't know. I still like those moves. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. So and they didn't honestly, have to rely man, on them. They had other guys to go. Uh, I was surprised by that whole, that whole Texas Rangers team, to be honest. Even oh. going out and getting Aroldis Chapman, however you feel about him, kind of a giant piece of shit. But, I mean, to, to go out and do that so early on to bolster that bullpen, a bullpen that obviously was struggling to find its legs, uh, to, to to double down once you get Max Scherzer and then also add Jordan Montgomery. What a great depth piece that nobody saw coming as being quite as impactful as he was. Just some really shrewd moves that worked out for the Rangers. If you were to play this out 10 more times, does it work out the same way? Who knows? It might even work out better. So many of these guys just wound up being injured and being non-factors. So I think just showing the rest of that team that you as a, a front office, you as an ownership group are are in. You're 100% in. And that's what the Rangers showed. So good on them. Hoisting that first World Series flag in Texas. Um, the Chapman question. Toronto is a fan base that... Um, What's the right word for this without sounding judgmental? Pretentious? Moral (laughs) high horse fan base? Not pretentious. I feel like moral high horse is a thing, though. Yeah. In Toronto of like, like, we, I don't think that that there'd be a revolt if the Blue Jays signed Chapman, right? You couldn't bring in an uh, an abuser. No, absolutely not. Not in Uh, Toronto. But if, it, <laughs> but if it happened anyways and we yeah. won, would we care? I don't know, dude. And I think that this is why teams take risks on guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have a hard time. I'm sorry to admit this publicly. I'd have a hard time uh, not watching the Blue Jays win a world series if they happen to have a piece of shit or two on their team to do it and be like, but but we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not boycotting them. (laughs) I'm going to watch. Just just check what it is. I'll take the bumper sticker off my car. Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, I I mean, I don't know. I think that's the reality of, of sports fandom though is, if the NFL proves anything, it's that they they prove that. <laughs> yes. um, I mean, I do think that like you can you can burn a fan base when you uh, when something bad happens and you're on that team. Like Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah. Burns the Dodgers fan base, right? Like I think yeah. whether he's vindicated or not uh, through the the lawsuits and whatever. Um. I don't think the Dodgers would ever want Trevor Bauer back or the fan base even, right? Um, There's just too much bad taste in the water. But even if he was proved to be a total criminal and he did it and whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like there's 20 other fan bases who would be willing to be like, oh, but it was in the past, you know, like, yeah. He had a dog fighting ring, but it was in a different city. 
You know, like (laughs) dogs are different over there, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. So fans are weird, man. I I can't say I wouldn't also be on that bandwagon if we brought in a a guy. I mean, a a piece of garbage. Yeah, I wouldn't get his jersey and be like, yeah, I rolled his Chapman. Our clothes are the best. Like, woohoo. But I'd be like, whatever. If we won, I hope. I hope we win still, you know? I don't know. I, I have a hard time t- turning the TV off. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, Silver Sluggers were announced. Hold on. Before we do that, before we yes. do that, do you want to talk uh, Corey Seager, like the historic yes. legacy yes. of Corey yes. Seager? Let's, let's actually get into Corey Seager. World Series MVP for 2023. Of course, he was the World Series MVP with the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2020 in the shortened season. He has, at the age of 29, put together a hell of a career. Uh, let's start with his numbers as a Texas Ranger. He gets that huge 10-year, $325 million contract two years ago, comes in to play shortstop for the Rangers and how did those years look at him? Uh, year one didn't look the greatest. Uh, still an all-star. Uh, played 151 games. Hit. Oh, hold on. No, last year still looked all right. Hit, hit 33 home runs last year. Yeah. I was looking at the doubles line. But yeah, home runs were still good. 33 home runs. Uh, just a 245 batting average, but... With that kind of power, you'll take that. Um, a 772 OPS, which okay. is uh, well above average. Slightly, yeah. Uh, 117 OPS, so you'll take that. Um, not thrilled about it when you get that kind of a, a uh, an investment, but I think 33 home but runs, regardless of what the other him. numbers are, you're happy with it. And you got to give a guy that year leeway to come into a new environment and kind of get used to his new teammates and his new home and so on and so forth. Well, he adjusted well this year. Um, He hit 33 home runs again, but he did it in 119 games. So played 32 fewer games, still hit 33 home runs. Uh, Batting average 327. Wow. Wow. Uh, OPS 1013. That's an OPS plus of 170. 70 points above wow. average. Holy cow. Yeah, really good. So, And then he carried that into the playoffs and won World Series MVP. Just so impressive, man. Uh, 29 years old. What's his career numbers look like to this point? Career numbers? Uh, loading. Loading. Uh, 906 career games. He has a career batting average of 292, 170 home runs, career OPS of 873. Such an impressive career OPS. Like, just such a superstar. One yeah. of the best in the game. Career OPS of 134. I mean, those are Hall of Fame numbers. Um, his per 162, which is uh, my favorite way to look at career numbers is uh, 30 home runs per 162. So, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Um, notable with Corey Seager. Did he have a, an amazing playoffs this year? Yeah, absolutely. 
no argument here. Six home runs, 12 RBIs, 318 batting average, OPS of 1133. Um, I think the comparison was to Adelise Garcia and like, oh, I wish we had a guy like that. But a lot of people, I'm sure, feel the same way about Corey Seager. And I think it's just important to note that his first five games in the postseason with the Dodgers, he had a batting average under 200 and zero home runs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, Bo Bichette, Vladdy, they have like six games. Yeah. In postseason experience. I mean, it's taken us three seasons to get there, but point is you don't get playoff experience without getting playoff experience I think is yeah is my takeaway so nope so uh let's move on to silver slugger here we are going to get into the Blue Jays and their off season really quickly so the 2023 silver slugger finalists are here okay so for the outfield in the American League and we're just going to do the American League here as we're mostly focused on mm-hmm. the American League with the Blue Jays being there. So in the outfield, Randy Rosarena, Adolis Garcia, no surprise there. Aaron Judge, Luis Robert Jr., Julio Rodriguez, Anthony Santander, and Kyle Tucker. In catching for the Silver Slugger, we're looking at Salvador Perez, Big Sal still in there. Cal Raleigh with the Seattle Mariners and Adley Rushman, the big. It's funny. I love seeing Sal Perez and Adley in there. Just kind mm-hmm. of the... the Two generations of stars. Designated hitter, we've got Jordan Alvarez and Shohei Otani. No surprise there. Utility players, Brandon Jury, Gunnar Henderson, Isaac Paredes, and the Blue Jays' lone silver slugger candidate, Whit Merrifield, of all people. Weird. And then uh, first base is going to be Tristan Cassis, Yandy Diaz, Nathan Lau, or uh, Nathaniel Lau, I should say, and then Spencer Torkelson. Third base is Bregman, Devers, Paredes, and Jose Ramirez, J.P. Crawford, Corey Seager, Bobby Witt Jr. in at shortstop. And then Brandon Drury, Marcus Simeon, and Glaber Torres are the candidates for second base. So not a lot of surprises there, although I will say this. It was a little bit surprising to me to take a look at that list and not see Bo Bichette. So Bo Bichette, had a very, very good year, a career year in 2023. He had 577 plate appearances, 175 hits. First year in the last three, he didn't lead the league in hits, and it's because he missed the, that that uh, 12-game span there, that two-week span he had to take off. So he mm-hmm. lost the hits battle. Uh, 20 home runs, 73 RBIs, a batting average of 306, and an OPS of a 14 with a 125 weighted runs created plus. So JP Crawford was also nominated or not also, but was nominated for a silver slugger award just to compare their numbers. Mm -hmm. JP Crawford, 637 plate appearances. So a few more plate appearances. He was healthy all season long, 142 hits. So fewer hits, 19 home runs, fewer home runs, 64 RBIs, fewer RBIs, a 277 batting average, so a lower batting average, 817 OPS, so basically the same OPS, and then a weighted mm-hmm. runs created plus of 134. So he had a nine degree, a nine percentage increase 
over Bo Bichette. You look at the numbers and it's it's tough to be like Bo shouldn't have been there. I I, I know that Silver Slugger, this this shit doesn't really matter, but Bo probably should have been the guy over JP Crawford. Kind of weird to see the league go that route, but Crawford also, I guess, had a very good year. Well, I mean, that depends on how you value stats, right? Like, I'm sure yep. that people are like, hey, weighted runs created plus. That's all that matters. OPS is better. Yep. That's all that matters. So yep. it's the same thing with uh, the defensive side. I mean, seeing Anthony Volp as the third nominee for goal yeah. shortstop, I I think there is uh, a real argument that Bo Bichette probably shouldn't win a gold glove at shortstop this year, but should have been nominated ahead of Anthony Volpe. Yeah. So. Free agency starts in four days, dude. Monday. Yeah. Is this when we talk about how Will Smith is our number one target for a bullpen ad because you he's got to go out series three times you, in a row with three different you, teams. You got to go out. You got to get Will Smith, right? <laughs> get him in your bullpen. Yeah. The long winding road that is the end of the baseball season has arrived. Uh, the work that the blue Jays need to do is uh, um, they need to deal with some qualifying offers and some options. So some of this has been settled with Mary Fields option. For $18 million. Uh, that is done. Okay. The Blue Jays came out and they declined that mutual option to which Whit Merrifield said, Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's mutual. I declined my side of the option too. No, this is no, a, no, no. A, a, it's not you. It's me. I declined <laughs> the option. You can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> I quit. Uh, which I mean, nobody was expecting the Blue Jays to pick up that. I can't believe I got the vaccine option. for you. Yeah. <laughs> There's some hurt feelings in this breakup. <laughs> so Wit's gonna hit the open market. Uh, Matt Chapman. There, I have no doubt he's going to be offered a qualifying offer. It makes all the sense in the world. There's no way that the Scott Boris Corp allows Matt Chapman, the premier third baseman on the free agent market, to take a one-year $20 million deal. It's $20.5 million this year for 2023 uh, qualifying offers. Chapman is going to be offered four or five years. It just won't be by the Toronto Blue Jays, but there is going to be plenty of interest in the defensive first third baseman the hot corner it's important it's an important position and i think that there's going to be plenty of teams that are willing to spend on matt chapman uh chad green is the final hurdle the blue jays need to come to terms with before monday uh it's kind of a messy one so it's a multi-layered option uh the 32 year old pitcher who returned from tommy john surgery Looked pretty good at the end of the season for the Blue Jays. I don't think there's any way that the Blue Jays take his three-year $27 million option. That breaks down to $9 million a season for a guy that's 32 years old in the bullpen. Um, I also can't see Chad Green taking the one-year $6.25 million option. So that does leave a two-year $21 million option, which is possible. Do the Blue Jays want to spend $10.5 million a year on a bullpen piece? 
My guess is Chad Green actually winds up walking and going back to free agency. We'll <laughs> see how this plays out. It's going to be interesting to see how the Blue Jays deal with that. It's going to be interesting to see the negotiations with Jordan Hicks. Is Hicks a guy they want to double down on? Because if it is, I bet you that means Chad Green's on the way out. So I, if, if mm-hmm. the Jays go after this type of market for the bullpen, uh, Chad Green or Hicks could be the guy, Jordan. Um, but I can't see it being both. So it's pick your poison. Hicks is younger. It's got that fireball arm. Chad Green is experienced and looked really good. We'll see. We'll see how it goes down. Lots for um, the Blue Jays to decide. Can I just say, I know that you don't think Matt Chapman would take a qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. He is the only good option at third base, the premier option at third base this offseason, and that's good reason to take it. Um, reason to take the qualifying offer is obviously this is one of the worst seasons of his career on both mm-hmm. sides of the plate. Mm-hmm. He would also be the premier option at third base in free agency next season. There is Interesting. no one. I mean, Alex Bregman yeah. is the only other name that stands out. Um, he's also like 31 years old. Do the Astros let him go? I don't know. Otherwise, you're looking at uh, a 40-year-old Justin Turner, 36-year-old yeah. Eduardo Escobar, 33-year-old Brandon Drury. There's not much else available so i just mean that's maybe like hey let's take the qualifying offer let's rebuild our value you got to get back to the batting cages or something um if he has a successful prove it season on a one-year deal whether that's a qualifying offer with the blue jays or a one-year deal with the texas rangers for all i know a one-year prove it deal could result in a $250 million contract instead of a $125 million contract. Hmm. I don't know, but Jays probably still offer him a qualifying offer, right? Oh yeah. I think they will. If he took it, would you feel like, would you be disappointed if he did take it? Nah, I'd be fine with it. One year deal. It's more than you want to pay him on a one year deal. But honestly, in my opinion, he he can't regress anymore. <laughs> I mean, famous last words, I guess. But I do think that there is nothing but uh, some step forwards to be made in Matt Chapman's future. I think that he's going to return to the stalwart third baseman that he's always been. I know his yeah. off- defensive numbers were down this year, but... I guess the argument for that I just made for him accepting a qualifying offer because he would still be a premier third baseman next year is also kind of applies to why you wouldn't take the qualifying offer. And if you did want to do a one year prove it deal, even if it wasn't at 20 million, even if you went for 12 million to the Detroit tigers or whatever, you're risking 8 million. The floor is probably still there in next year's free agency. You're like, I'm still going to get whatever I would have gotten this year. If I don't have a good year. It's only an eight million dollar gamble that way with the upside. And I think so. I think yeah. even if I he talk did, myself out of that, even if he did turn down the 
qualifying offer. I think he, if he was going to take a one-year deal, he could still find a team that'll give him $21 million. Sure. Just bump that. Right. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I've talked myself out of that. So there we go. And then last but not least, the already changes have started to happen for the Toronto Blue Jays amongst the pitching or uh, sorry, pitching the coaching staff. So Dave Hudgens, the club's major league hitting strategist, is being reassigned elsewhere in the organization, according to two industry sources. The move opens up a second spot on a manager on manager John Schneider's big league coaching staff as third baseman Luis Rivera retired earlier in the season after 11 seasons in the role of uh, with the club, 11 years with the club. I'm excited. The Kevin Lowe treatment, the Edmonton, the Edmonton Kevin Lowe treatment where you're, you're reassigned, you're promoted up out of that position <laughs> promoted up yeah it's uh michael scott salesman of the year 10 times yeah. in a row now you're the regional manager uh good luck yeah um all right is this going so, to have uh impact on hold on let me ask you this this changes everything right this on. changes everything <laughs> From, uh, from an offensive standpoint. Throw it at the front. Yeah. <laughs> Clip it, throw it at the front, put it on the TikToks. Um, from a offensive output standpoint, I mean, we talked about like the, the Chris Black article on Mailbag about the, the contact heavy approach as opposed to the power oriented one. Is this uh, a move that will... We'll see any reasonable differences next year, or is this just like a non issue? Listen, this is all speculation, and I'm guessing. And because I know that the whole fan, not the whole fan, I know a very vocal piece of the fan base has been calling for heads to roll yes. for a long time. And Dave Hutchins has, he has been the lightning rod of a lot of that being the hitting strategist. I know that Guillermo Martinez has taken a lot of heat. People want someone to blame. And what's frustrating with this Toronto Blue Jays is that doesn't exist. There's no one person. This team is run by a gaggle of khakis. That's the proper term for the analytics crew, a gaggle. A gaggle of khakis, yeah. I think that they need to retool the whole hitting strategy. Was Dave Hudgens the one guy being like, this is how we're doing it now. I don't care what anyone else says. After 10 years of being within the organization, I think it's finally my time to shine. And this is the new strategy. There's no fucking way that happened. Okay. There's no way Dave Hudgens was making any actual decisions. So, shuffling it it definitely makes it seem like the blue jays are doing something right everyone's so worked up that ross atkins is coming back and that mark shapiro's coming back and that john schneider's coming back so it, it does allow this front office to be like we retooled the coaching staff and everyone <laughs> is going to be like oh thank goodness dave hudgens isn't there anymore <laughs> even though he's just going to be in the office next door uh handing in his spreadsheets to a new guy so uh <laughs> How, how much how much how many days until we start seeing the bring in Dante Bichette posts? 
I'm already seeing them. <laughs> I'm already posting them. <laughs> I'm already posting them. <laughs> uh, move over, Dante. Bring in Ryan Long. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. If this, do you, how do you feel about it, this? Like, do you think it matters at all? Not even a fucking yeah. little bit. Not one iola. I think it's such a clusterfuck of a VPN in that organization where, like, there is just no. Everybody is so insulated from any accountability in such a fucking smoke and mirrors kind of way. It yeah. drives me nuts. It and does like, me too, man. They're not the only organization to do it. They're not the, I mean, it's not unique to the Blue Jays. It's not unique to sports. It is yeah. the fucking way of the world now. And the fucking, it's, but yeah, I mean, it's fire one guy, but his underling or her underling is just as entwined and it's like the relationships are there and yeah anybody who's excited about the 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 retooling of of one our hitting level like thing is like you're crazy man like you're crazy i don't know people want someone to blame i guess uh if it makes you feel better it doesn't make me feel better (laughs) doesn't make me feel better at all now I don't know we shit are, from Shinola, so let's we are we are going to transition here, Adam, from from one organization that we're kind of upset with to another organization that I guess makes me feel good about where our organization is, despite the lack of communication, despite wait, wait. some of these Can I guess what it is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it the <laughs> Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs? nailed it Fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, just started watching shorzy the other day so isn't it fun it's way it's, more fun than i was expecting actually is way more fun than i was expecting and way less kid appropriate than my brother promised yes so my daughter oh. is learning a lot of new words uh <laughs> we watched three episodes last night i only had to cover her eyes for one scene She's ready to hit the ice now and put oh, some yeah. of these teachings to work. Oh, yeah. Big time. As I was tucking her in, I said, Good night, Shorzy. And she she gets right out of bed. She goes, Can you please call me that from now on? I was like, fuck. That, that is <laughs> not like, a nickname fuck. that's gonna stick. Sorry, kiddo. So So the mess that is the San Diego Padres continues to unfold in front of everyone's eyes. Ken Rosenthal wrote a very in-depth article in The Athletic about what is going on. And the San Diego Padres, one of the top selling teams in baseball when it comes to tickets. They fill that stadium night in and night out. They ranked second in all of baseball. And despite that, at the end of the year, they had to borrow $50 million to address short-term cash flow issues and meet their obligations, including player payroll. People briefed on the team's finances told the athletic, payday loans, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a risky game to play. Now, before, before everyone kind of blows this out of proportion, a lot of teams do do this, like, borrowing money within a season isn't that big of a deal large organizations have money and have debt for a reason so that they can move stuff around that said it it is a little bit of a red flag the Padres started the season with a payroll of about 250 million dollars 
third most in baseball and an outlier among teams that play in a similar bottom third tier of the market. The investment generated excitement and income. The club set a franchise record with 3.3 million tickets sold this year and still had to borrow money, right? And I think the big reason for this is the payroll. So last offseason, the Padres signed shortstop Xander Bogarts to an 11-year, $280 million contract. They signed pitcher Yu Darvish to a six-year, $108 million contract. 37-year-old Yu Darvish is who they re-upped on for six years there. Uh, of course, third baseman Manny Machado had his contract picked up to an uh, extended. So he had an 11 year, $350 million contract. We're all aware of Fernando to teach juniors mega contract. Mm -hmm. So you start to break down all of these contracts, Jake Cronenworth, Jake Cronenworth has like a seven year, $125 million deal. Like there are a lot of beefy contracts in this Padres organization. Juan Soto, they spent a pile of prospect capital to bring him in and have been incredibly underwhelmed. I think the rumors are that they're looking for a similar haul back to trade Juan Soto, but they need to trade Juan Soto. They absolutely have to. They're not going to be able to sign him, and their cupboards are currently bare. They have spent prospect after prospect top prospect after top prospect to bring in some of these uh stars right josh Hader was a good example of that they went on and got him at the deadline last year i don't even know what to say about the padres man except that i'm really excited to watch what happens this offseason because i really do think there could be it like honestly man they trade juan soto and you darvish like that is so wild and it it definitely opens up the landscape the trade landscape for those of us who are intrigued would you rather have Juan Soto and you Darvish or Shohei Otani That's a really good question. Shohei Otani. But Juan Soto, man, like the thing with Juan Soto is 25. Like he's 25 years old. And Maybe I'd rather Juan Soto and you, Darvish. I don't know. And Shohei Otani coming off the arm injury. Like, I, I, I mean, the miracles of modern medicine aside, it's still a question mark. If he ever pitches again, how good he is if he does. Is he a starter? Is he a bullpen piece? There's question marks around that. I think I'd take Juan Soto and, and you Darvish. Is that crazy? Browns crew. This is where we need you to to come in here. We'll we'll tackle this in mailbag. Juan Soto and you Darvish or Shohei Otani. If you get your wish. Obviously, if the Jays were to do something crazy, like go out and make a mega blockbuster trade for Juan Soto, uh, you'd really hope that they had the money to lock him up, right? And I'm really curious if Juan Soto would even consider that or if he's just dead set on going to free agency, which one year away, why wouldn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, okay, that's... I would rather have Juan Soto, provided we can lock him up. Yes. I do not prefer Soto and Darvish, if it's five more years of Darvish, and one more year of Soto, potentially. Yes. And you lose Ricky Tiedemann and Aralvis Martinez. But you win a World Series, Scott. But you win. Yes, yes. The guaranteed World Series win when you make a big move. <laughs> um, who who is safe on this Padres team? When I'm looking at these big contracts, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, you Darvish. Um, I feel like. I mean. I think Xander Bogarts is safe because no team would want to take on that albatross of a contract for a 31-year-old declining shortstop. <laughs> is that safe? Is that a lot of scary words. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's safe. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is safe. Mm-hmm. For the, I mean, there's a lot of uh, mystery boxes left to open in that advent calendar. There might be yeah. some good years left on Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm terrified of that contract from him, though. Um, but the ceiling is there. We know what the ceiling is with Fernando Tatis Jr., so maybe it's not that bad. Uh, Manny Machado. Like, maybe if Fernando promises to stop getting in motorcycle accidents, I would feel a little better about it. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm almost more worried about Fernando Tatis's off-season than I am him getting injured or the things that could happen in-season. Yeah, I, uh... Machado feels immovable too. Yeah. Eleven years, three hundred and fifty million. He's thirty-one already. Mm-hmm. That's uh. So it's just Darvish and Juan Soto that could go, and then some of the other guys, like he said, Jake Cronenworth or yeah, or whatever. Um, but for big money, that's that's a spicy meatball. Man, they are still locked into so much money that. They probably regret. Yeah. Agreed, man. So, okay. We we talked, move on to- well, we, we talked off the top about the Texas Rangers. And is that proof positive that teams mid to upper mid market teams should in fact spend big and, and go for it at the deadline and, and free agency and get that extra to go over the top is the Padres the opposite of like we saw how much success the Atlanta Braves are having with the contracts they've offered out. And of course every blue Jays fan that still has their, or hasn't lasered off their Alex Anthopoulos heart tattoo yet. Um, (laughs) still pines over the success that he's having Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. Very similar situations though. It does go to show you, man, a, a few down years, and things can get ugly in a hurry, right? So it's still early in that Atlanta Braves experiment. Experiment, yeah. Um, the contracts that they started handing out, are those, two of them were pre-World Series, right? Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. Everything yes. else has been since then? Yes. The two best contracts. Right. The two biggest heists. Um. If they don't win another World Series, though, 
how much can we say that that method was effective? Like you can point to those two contracts and go, well, that sure worked out great. But is that just too lucky? You know, you bet early on some prospects having a high ceiling and a, and a high floor and, and them all paying off. Like you hit the lottery mm-hmm. or I don't know. I'm, I'm still so skeptical of that whole Atlanta experiment. So I'm curious to see how it plays out too. It could really be, um, genius in the new wave in baseball that builds a mega team of a, a behemoth to take Mark Shapiro's words that never wound up coming to fruition, but um, it could be disastrous, but it could also like, man, it could really work out. They could be the best team in baseball for the next five years. And if that, if that's the case, it's, it's a total success. Because, okay. They won the world series in 2021. They were only an 88 win team that season. That's right. Can I say they were lucky? Like, do they f- no I know I know not lucky but like do they fit the the Phillies and the Diamondbacks description I mean in hindsight we don't think of them that way right because they've been juggernauts since mm-hmm. they've spent in free agency they've gone out and and made trades and whatever but when they won their world series they weren't they didn't have the expectations right they were Kind of surprised yeah. everybody, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It feels luck based. They also lost Ronald Acuna Jr. midway through the season and won the World mm-hmm. Series without him. I don't know. That's a hot take for me, but I would say the 2021 Atlanta Brave I mean, World Series I champions. There's always going to be on some, their side. There's always luck on the side of the World Series champion, though. Let's be serious. Like, even look at. Look at Texas this year. They could have just as easily not made the playoffs. Like they were so close to not making the playoffs. So like truly even the Diamondbacks, like look at the Diamondbacks. They go to the World Series. They were an era in the Cubs outfield away from the Cubs being the team. So who knows, man. But yeah, still still a lot of uh, still a lot of years left in this Braves experiment. And it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out just funny that it worked on year one like year one it worked and it might never work like it might it could be i mean we talked Corey seager this contract has already paid for itself yeah right two years in it's already worth every on penny, investment right yeah um so it's just funny that like the next eight years of the atlanta braves could be an absolute fucking train wreck nightmare yes and i feel like the public perception in atlanta eh, maybe not in atlanta uh, you know what atlanta might lose favor with alex anthopolis before toronto does yes Isn't that crazy oh, of course right like five years from now when those contracts are all like Ugh, you know you're tugging at your collar over it the braves are gonna be like why the hell did we give yeah. this guy so much money and blue jays are still gonna be like oh they won the world series though <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's it's true. It's funny how oh, it, it's just like it's so easy to the grass is always greener, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way to wrap that up. 
All right, buddy, we are getting long in the tooth here, so let's wrap the show up on a little tip of the hat to the ageless wonder who is now aged. Nelson Cruz announces retirement. This is a dude I know that Adam and I were talking off the top of the show. He's the true hired gun of the last decade. Went from team to team. I don't think he spent more than two years with a team in those last 10 years of his career. He hit bombs and got paid $15 million a year to do so year by year. Yeah, here's a not a comparable, but a comparable I'm going to say anyways. Uh, Matt Stairs. Yes. Just played for a dozen teams over his career. Canadian. Yes. Just another guy that like, I mean, found a niche. I, for I'm not saying has the same. He's not on the same level as Nelson Cruz, but just like yeah, went job to job, paycheck to paycheck. I like that. That's and uh, found success doing his thing. You know, like you knew what you're getting when you when you brought him in. And but yeah, Nelson Cruz. He's a uh, he's a gem. Let's, look at his Let's wrap up numbers. on Nelson Cruz's career numbers. I don't think that he is Hall of Fame worthy, but he is definitely a guy who he's probably he'll be on the ballot. Uh, 464 career home runs. Man, maybe that is. I don't know. Like uh, if he hit 500, that's yeah, almost I know. It's like a guarantee, right? I know. Uh, 1,325 RBIs, uh, career batting average, 274, career OPS, though, 856, OPS plus for his career, 130. Um, He played for 19 seasons, uh, four of which were below 100 for an OPS plus. Right. Um, The other 15 years that he played well over 100 incredible uh some 148s 171 168 159 lots substantially better um the hardware to his name seven-time all-star four-time silver slugger alcs mvp Wow, when you say it all out like that, maybe he, maybe like I want to kind of walk back saying he's not a Hall of Famer. Like maybe he is. I mean, again, the Hall of Fame is a bit of a joke, so who cares? But uh, <laughs> I care. I care. <laughs> yeah, like Frick, what a career. Good it's career. funny because he was a DH for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I have this like stigma in my mind around him where I'm like, yes, he's very valuable, but you know. Yeah, I mean, from a DH, you feel like you should be getting more almost, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if he was a career DH and he hit 500, I don't know why it's such a stupid, stupid how milestones are so. Yeah. You know, 501 feels so much better than 499. But Agreed. Five fifteen doesn't feel any better than five oh one. Nope. You know, so five forty five doesn't feel any better than five oh one in my opinion. No, like exactly, it's like, exactly. Yeah, like it's, it's, just, yeah. it's you look at the first digit and you go, oh cool, you got four hundred whatever. It's yeah. I don't know. He's in the four hundred club. Cool. 
But yeah, I don't know. Can, Nelson Cruz is he a home? Is he a Hall of Famer? Drop it in the comments, folks. What do you think? I'm gonna say yes because okay, I like I, that. I think he was likable. My yes. impression of him, no off-field drama that I'm aware of. Yeah, um, and I think that's with those numbers and being a nice guy. Yeah, you know, we just see so many guys held out because they're jerk and nobody liked uh-huh. them right i feel like the bump goes the other way too so yeah. i'm gonna say that that's my, my argument and we'll leave it on that thanks so much everybody for listening hit that like and subscribe button we really appreciate it to all of you listening on audio really appreciate you thank you very much feel free to rate the podcast that always helps us <laughs> pardon me <laughs> of course right at the end eh? uh almost got patreon there. Patreon, a tip of the hat your way. We'll see y'all Tuesday for Mailbag. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.